Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club, connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. At Cub, we say we're your business family because that's exactly what we are. And today, I'm catching up with someone that is definitely like family to me, one of my great friends uh, of whom I actually met through Cub, Mr. Andrew Herman. Andrew is a partner uh, of FX Group. They are an IT services business that focuses on customer service. I know they're fantastic because I and Cub use them for all of our IT equipment. FX Group only started six years ago, but has had a huge amount of growth. Now having a national footprint with, um, I think it was over 16 offices, uh, over a couple hundred staff and all sorts of amazing things that have been happening for this company. Um, as I said, Andy is a great friend of mine and we had a fantastic conversation focusing on all things sales. The reason I chose sales was because he's probably the best salesperson I've ever met. Um, I really picked his brain and I learned a lot. So I know you will too. Enjoy the show. And we're live. Welcome to the show, homie. How are you? Good, mate. How are you? I'm good. Um, one of my best friends on the podcast. I'm very excited about today. Thanks for having me, mate. I've been uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while now. Yeah, yeah. I've spoken yeah. about it for some time. I know, I know. You were getting teased the other day in the clubhouse. <laughs> some of the members that have been on the podcast are like, mate, shut up. This is only a conversation for members who have actually been just, asked to be on the podcast. I just thought I'd let them get their piece in first so uh, I can come over the top. Now we're going to do an extra special <laughs> episode today. Because you are an extra special guy, you're one of those very rare people who really have humble beginnings. Um, you're a kid from Campbelltown, loved your surfing and your stuff, and you ended up being a kid from Uptown running a, a national business with uh, hundreds of uh, employees and and you're only what 30 32 34, 34. Yeah. you're only 34 but when did you start the company when was the company when did you get involved when was the company six started? years now six, yeah. six, young company as well yeah in fact that's only a year older than cub yeah, yeah but yeah. you're a lot bigger it's growing so, quickly yeah it's kind of scary that it's insane so, so what i want to do is i really want to talk about your story and kind of how you how you went through them what the process was and and I mean, for the listeners, I know many of the members know Andy is probably one of the best salespeople they've ever met. And he's definitely one of the best salespeople I've ever met. But I definitely want to focus on that today sure. and talk about all the lessons you've learned in that as well. But actually, you know what? Tell us about FX first. Tell us about the business and, and, yeah, cool. and what you do. Hey, mate, thanks for the kind words. They're very nice. But uh, yeah, FX, managed technology. So we are a technology business. We, um, we manage pretty much any piece of technology that businesses have within their business. Um, when we started the business six and a half odd years ago, uh, we started in the managed print space, which was a space that, um, that Nick and I knew very well. And as that business grew, we saw a gap in the market where people probably weren't getting the service that we thought um, they could have in that IT services. And, and that's where the business grew from there. So, so we're offering managed print, managed IT, uh, all the way through to telco as well. So essentially... Any business that needs a technology, a piece of technology within their business, we are um, supplying and servicing that for and, them. And so that technology, so at Cub, we, we you, you provide us with our printers and all that type of stuff. Sure. But really, if we wanted, you could also supply computers, laptops, uh, video conferencing, absolutely, all that type of stuff. End-to-end -end solution for us, it's about having uh, one person to call, one business to call. Businesses these days are consistently 
um, calling an IT company, calling a print company, calling a telco company, and then an, and and in today's world, now they're trying to work out what video conferencing is all about because mm-hmm. that's what we're doing, and trying to find how that fits in. For us, it's about building out an end-to-end solution so that the client's got one person to call, mm-hmm. one business to call, one service number um, that to can look after all their needs. All technologies, absolutely love it. And before we get into the business, take us back. So, <laughs> how did you how did you get into where did you grow up and and yeah. I guess what made you what made you want to get into business? Yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, you're right. You said that in the early intro. I'm a I'm a kid from out west, from Campbelltown. I grew up out there. Um, Went to school out really in the bush. A lot of people here in Sydney or in Melbourne wouldn't understand, but um, when we run the cross country, you run between cows and sheep, that <laughs> sort of thing. So I was out in a place called Menangle. So that's where I grew up. My uh, my dad had a little car tie business out there, so that's probably where I was first exposed to to business. And that was probably also my first um, first little t- taste of sales too. Um, setting up a little sales business on Saturdays at dad's uh, dad's car shop. Picking the lavender from the fields across the street and then offering a free car wash if they bought the lavender for Is $10. that what you were doing when you were a kid? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Dad wouldn't pay me at the at the tyre shop, so I thought I had to try and make some money some other way. How good is that? You never yeah. told me that story before. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So, um, yeah, so that's sort of where I grew up. I was uh, I was riding into my sport. Go-karting and motorsport was where I, I started as a kid uh, and then that later went on into cycling. And um, and it's funny, you know, I, I, I had a – I was juggling cycling uh, and a career in cycling and, and was really pushing hard for that. I left school to go and do that and uh, and then started to learn a little bit of real estate in there, which is probably where I started to learn a lot of my sales skills mm-hmm. um, more so. But interestingly, cycling in the end is what led me to meet uh, Nick, who I'm part of FX with, um, when when my wife and I, or my then girlfriend and my now wife moved into Sydney. Yeah. Nick, um, Nick's your business partner and the CEO. Yep. Yep. Correct. That's right. And, uh, and we met on a bike uh, and funnily enough, we only grew up only a few kilometres from each other and never met, but met whilst out cycling and then and went on a, yeah, this was well before FX, but mm-hmm. um, not only did he become my best mate, but ended up getting into business together. He, he w- years later. was that when you were, you were, uh, you were uh, in real estate at that point? Yeah, I was. So um, when we moved and you, talk, you asked a question before about moving from you know, out west and then and moving into town. The real reason we moved, I moved into town was um, I was, as I said before, cycling um, and I was managing a job, doing a, a real estate job in here, um, in, just in Potts Point actually. And uh, and my wife was was competing in, in national aerobics as well. So, you know, we were leaving, we were leaving Campbelltown at four o'clock in the morning. I'd pick her up at quarter past four. Um, we, were, uh, we were driving in here to train for two or three hours prior to starting work, go and do work for a full day and then drive home at 7.30 at night and continually repeat that. So that's when we decided that we would we'd move into town and, and, uh, and that's when yeah, you start to meet a few more people and things change. Isn't it amazing? Your life can be altered by meeting one person. Absolutely. You know, that's why community groups are so important, whether yeah. it be like cycling or like your local PCYC or like that's where yeah, Jeff yeah. Fennick said he met his train or you know, any, any you, you need human beings need to come together and, and thing, having things in common allow for that to happen. Absolutely. You, you met your business partner who you've now grown a, a monster-sized business with. Yep. Just cycling. And Changed the whole direction and, of your life. And funnily enough, you, you meet um, without that in mind too. So not only that, you become best mates and you just never know – now, I've always said you just never know when a door opens what it's going to be um, and that's also something that, you know, Cub has also shown as well. You know, we, we joked before starting this about how, you know, we're good mates before um, mm. before that but that's been the same thing with Cub too. Like, I mean, 
you might meet somebody through an opportunity to do some business or they may just turn out to be a mate in the end and, and be yeah. a really good friend. Um, which can add to your life later on. Yeah, it, it, it's like if you have a – I mean, there's just more of that stories. If you have a passion, something you like, whether it be arts or cycling or fucking pool or whatever yeah, yeah. it is, you should go to communities of whom have that, who like that because yeah. you don't know who you're going to meet. You don't Absolutely. know what that community could give you. Absolutely. It, for Cub, obviously, it's a, a biz com, community who love business, community of entrepreneurs. Yep. But – you could be a cyclist, you could be a swimmer, you know, or a surfer. Absolutely. You should get involved in your communities because it's other humans are only going to add value to I totally agree. To, to you. And everybody's looking for that too. Yeah. Everyone's looking for someone to connect with, someone to share their experience with. You know, I think if there's anything that this, um, you know, we're doing this through this COVID time that we're having this conversation, I think the one thing that I've learned more out of this experience is that we all like to be around people and mm. share our experiences um, so the more we can do that with other people, the better. Hundred people love to belong. They like yeah. to feel. They like to feel included. Absolutely. And what about cycling? How good were you? I went okay. I um I my cycling story is quite funny. So as I said before, I started in, in motorsport and go karting, and and uh, I got into cycling through school um, through doing a couple of triathlons on on my dad's nineteen eighty sort of racer bike that he had, and <laughs> and then uh, I got picked up and asked to come and try out for a a talent ID thing as a kid and and um and went and went through that process and got through and and uh and then started cycling from there they said give up the running and give up the swimming because you're not very good at both of those things mm -hmm. so off we went so yeah cycling as a junior became a big thing for me I got quite sick late in, into my late my 17 18 which then I started to give the bike away for a little bit and then came back to it so yeah I got I was fortunate enough to go over to America and ride over there for a little for a couple of trips and and uh over to NZ with a with a development squad and I yeah, don't know much. Fun. I just don't know much about cycling, but I know that it's a big, uh, quite a professional sport. It's kind of like golf. Yeah. A lot of a lot of real high end kind of uh, people uh, yeah. love cycling. What, what do you think they like about it? Because I I, I hear think, these guys they cycle like fifty k's a day. Yeah. Isn't it? I can't even drive that far. I get too tired. I have to pull over, have yeah. a nap. You know, it's a long time to be on a bike, and that, <laughs> and that's one of the things which is hard about cycling is that um it is it can be a lower intensity sport, um and I, the comparison I take between you know. In corporate world now, we talk about cycling being the new golf. Is I can go out tomorrow at golf and play with a with a professional, and and I can be playing off a handicap of whatever it doesn't matter. But because it's handicapped, you can still have a game, mm. um, and you can still still share an experience. Cycling is a little bit the same because um, if you're riding behind someone, it's a little bit easier. So if someone's a little bit fitter than you, they can ride in front of you. Um, and it becomes a bit more of a social sport because you mm. ride in twos, which you're most, almost connected. most drivers don't like. Um, but you're on the road together for, as you said, you know, a couple of hours mm. and, and you get to have a good chat and make yeah. sure you have a coffee. Have you ever played Mario Kart before? A lot, yeah. You know Mario Kart when you drive behind them and you get the boost because you yeah, got yeah. – so that's actually true. Cyclists true. actually get that yeah, wind at, tunnel. At, that's right. It's about um, roughly at about 60 kilometres an hour. It's about 30% easier to Is ride that behind someone. true? It's that much easier? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why incredible. You, that's why you're seeing the team's pursuits, you know, on the track and those sorts of things. Yeah. It's so much easier to see. And also, you, because, like you mentioned, the cars. I mean, I hate cyclists. <laughs> and and um, and But if you're in a group of cyclists, yep. you really are bonded together in a group of safety. Like if something, uh, God forbid, something does go wrong to someone, yep. you are entrusted in each other to, to yeah. be there, to have each other's back. And, and that kind of... You're doing something that is an experience. It's healthy, but it's also it's very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Even probably more so dangerous than in motorbike riding a, a yeah. Harley or something. I think um, Harley people can hear you. 
Well, as, you, as you know, riding a bike, Pete, you a motorbike, you ride defensively, and you do that on a, on the road as well. So if you're if you're a road cyclist, you ride defensively. You're always mm. looking left and right, making sure people mm. are coming towards you. So and and do you think that because I know you were very sporty, like you said, but do you think that that what do you think is a correlation between sports mm. and business? Because I reckon there's yeah. tons of them. Oh, there's huge amounts. Um, look, I think um, look at it in two sides of things, right? I look at I look at sport in sales. I think that's one piece that I, I find really interesting. In business in general, um, I think there's a huge correlation between sport and business. I, I think the, the what I talk what I call the grind. You know, I think is one of the biggest things that I see is a is a comparison between sport and business. You know, an athlete is there continuously grinding day in day out. Um, with no result yet mm. and then eventually they get the result um, but nobody sees the grind that they've done in business if you're building a business there's so much grind that goes on which you know about behind the scenes before you actually succeed and something yeah. happens um, in fact some people try 5 10 15 however many businesses before that one succeeds so yeah. um, like the know, guy from mcdonald's yeah exactly right. movie. yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> exactly and uh you know i think about you know the the most successful golfers in the world they win three or four times a year, but they play forty times a year. Yeah, like I mean, that's crazy, right? Like yeah. they've they failed thirty seven times. Yeah, that, that that's what's amazing about sport. I think what sport does too, it it oversimplifies. So I, I would relate like you relate sport very much to business. The only difference with sport is that anyone is capable of in visual uh, visualizing themselves do it because everyone can understand kicking the ball through the goal. Yep, sh- shooting the ball in the hoop. Yep. Uh, swimming from there to there in the quickest amount of time. Yep. They're very basic concepts. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes people overcomplicate business totally where it's, it becomes almost invisible. It becomes, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Am I a business person? Am I? But really business is, is probably simple. Bring more money in, then you shoot out. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like, right. That well, is the I game. Think, <laughs> I think Blake said it in one of your yeah. podcasts previously. He said about perfection and, mm. and athletes – um, athletes try and stumble, try and stumble, mm. you know. Like, I mean, if you think about a boxer, they get knocked out. Like, yeah. I, I shouldn't have gone left, I should have gone right. Um, I think that should be the same in business. You know, you, mm. you either go left or you go right. You go down which road are you going to go? That wasn't the right way. Well, yeah. let's go back to the other side and go down the other it road. It makes you stronger. So, Next time you know the answer. Absolutely. It's exactly it the same as sport. And then you can even look at the words. I made a vow a long time ago when cab gets big enough to just eradicate the word entrepreneur in this country in general because it's too long. I'm yep. dyslexic. I can't spell it. <laughs> No one knows how to spell it, even non-dyslexic people, yep. and it's too comp. It just it pr- it just makes business look more complex. In sport, you jump, you hop, you skip, you throw. Like it's really short, yep. punchy things. In business, you don't even know what the fuck you do. You just all, you know everything's long and complex, and yep. Yep. all business words are. Uh, it should be made more simple. I reckon if the language of business was as simple as the language of sport, more entrepreneurs would be encouraged to do it. Yeah, and totally if business good. was more, hey. It's a game. It's a sport. You bring more money in, then you let go out. Yep. That's all you have to do. That's all you got to do. But it's got to be legal. Yep. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's got to be right. legal. And then in the middle, you're like, I mean, same as sport though. There's rules. You can't yeah, fucking trip someone over. And, you know. That's exactly right. You you can't take performance enhancing drugs and all those sorts yeah, you of can't. things. So you got to do it right. So. So I mean, business just needs to be thought as as more simple. But what about you were mentioning just before the thing about like in sport you see. You seen Bolt run that nine seconds, yeah, but you don't see. Well, that's that. the crazy thing, right? Like, I think um, he probably runs eight seconds. Yeah, I don't insult him. I'll I'll take it back to cycling because it's an easy one for me to compare to. But if you think about the four thousand meter pursuit, so anyone that knows cycling or watches track cycling mm-hmm. is the one where you see the four guys 
and they like swap off turns and they ride for four kilometres. World record is like 350-something or might even be under 350 now. So three minutes and 50-odd seconds they're riding for. Mm-hmm. These guys are doing between 1,000 and 1,500 kilometres per week in training just to ride 4Ks. So I think that shows the amount of effort that goes into getting a result is not too dissimilar to what goes into – Wait, sorry. A, explain it to me again. Yep. So these guys are riding four kilometres, cycling four kilometres yep. in three and a half minutes. Yep. Holy crap. Yeah. And so to do that, they're riding how much during the week? They're doing somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 kilometres. Jeez. Yeah, it's like – you know what it's like? It's kind of like that 10,000 hours thing. Have you read that book? Yeah, I um, saw a piece on golf, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. But yeah, habits or something. Mm. No, that's not what it's called. I don't know what it's called. But it's that 10,000 hour rule where they say to be truly one of the best, you have to do something for 10,000 yep. hours. Yep. It's Michael Gladwell is the is the guy that – Yeah, there was a guy up. that did that through golf I saw. I only know that because I saw him at our golf club but he, he'd come over and he was trying to play 10,000 hours of golf um, to get himself from a certain handicap to a – Yeah, to yeah and, and they say that you can become – and in business, think about it, if you were doing it all day every day – Really, the name of – they say you can do – it takes 10 years roughly to do 10,000 hours of anything. Yep. So um, – and some fucking smartass is probably going to sit down and be like, oh, the average working day is this time, you're sure wrong. But whatever, let's just say it takes 10 years. Um, really, that that means that the aim of the game for any entrepreneur or business owner yep. should be to just make sure their business survives 10 years. Because that would mean that you've had enough hours as long as you – aren't really, really slow, yep. that you've learned enough and you've gained enough experience to be one of the best Absolutely. at what you do, at yep. your business, in your industry. Absolutely. I think it's anything that you do. Like, I mean, if you go back to the sales side of things, if uh, the first time you ever made a cold call in your entire life, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I was shitting myself. The yeah. first time I had to pick up a phone and call someone that I didn't know, ask them a question if I could talk to them and ask if I could do some business with them. After you've done a million of those calls, it's just it's just a simple call. Yeah. Um, probably not too dissimilar to sitting here and you're doing a podcast. You've probably done 20 or 30 of these things now. If one, someone walks in, they do the first one, it's, it's daunting because they haven't done it before. So, yeah, I think repetition is it, the mother it, it of It means better. What about cold calling? How much does cold calling suck? <laughs> I actually, you know what, I've actually always enjoyed it only just because I just know that that is always the starting point. Any of the guys that come through our business um, – I'm the first to get on the phone with them and, and do do calls with them, um, and they're all like they're always asking me the question. Oh, will you actually sit down and do them with me? And I will, um, because I just think that you've just got to have fun with it, and it's yeah. Yeah, how do you make that enjoyable? What would you do with your team to make that? Oh, I a think fun experience? Um, well, first of all, there's some competition. So when you've got young guys coming in, giving them a bit of competition together, that's also always a good thing. But I think having fun with the call, like I mean, how many times have you picked someone's called you, especially now when you're in business that people will call you and. And uh, it'll just be, hi, my name's Andrew and I'm from here. And you, they're, they're reading scripts. Yeah. Beep, um, beep, beep, Yeah, it's beep. gone. So have a bit of fun with it. Hi, it's Andrew. How are you going? Like, yeah. how's your day? And just start to go through some, you know, th- some things that are just a little bit left of centre. Yeah. Um, just to keep someone on the phone. And, and, and I try to teach some of the guys that and, and, and it works. And We had this thing once where – so it wasn't cold calling because it was for leads. So people had yep. submitted – but I told the um, people doing the call, so when you call, the first 10 seconds, right, the only purpose of that 10 seconds is to keep them on the phone. Absolutely. So it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you, your purpose is to keep them on the phone. 100%. Because otherwise you can say, oh, can you call me back? Or, oh, I'm busy. Oh, you got me a bad time. If you can sound interesting enough in that first 10 seconds, yep. 
Then you've got them. Then you can ask the question. Then you can ask the questions. You can explain to them. I remember you guys called me originally. I I yeah, we took we took you took nine months for us to sign up. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. You applied and then took forever to fucking (laughs) cross the border and pay. (laughs) Supposed to be the easiest person to sell to is a salesperson, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty. I'm 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 really easy to sell to. And tell us about the experience at Cub thus far. Obviously, you've made a great friend in me, but but you've made I know a lot of great friends and. And what, I guess what have you enjoyed most about the club and what, what are some of the success, success stories you've had? Yeah, the club's been interesting for me because when I first joined the club, obviously our business was in a very different position as well. Mm. Um, it was smaller, you mean? It was much smaller. Yep. Um, and and I, came in to, I came into the club open really just, just to see what this thing was all about and, and um, you know, meet some people and hopefully do some business and all those sorts of things. But what I learned really early on was that it, became, it was more more than that. There was a lot more uh, – I don't like to, to use the word family all the time, but there was definitely more of a family feel to it. Mm. Everyone really got around each other, which was really cool. So many different businesses at different stages. You know, there was there were people in there in startups and then there were people – there were businesses in there that were, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. So um, that I loved because just even without going through the, the content sharing in a formal setting – having a beer or a glass of wine with someone on a Friday at Cub um, and just picking their brain was, was really cool. And on the flip side, being able to hopefully impart some knowledge for those, those other people as well. So I've just, I've just loved that part of it more than anything. I think it's just been a really, a really fun place to be. Um, I've made some amazing friendships at Cub yeah. that I never thought I would have. And I say friendships as in, you know, that'd be at birthdays and, and weddings and all those sorts of things. If they don't have another one of those, yeah, but, you, um, but that sure sort of in the first one. <laughs> that's that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I think it's just been a really cool, cool experience. I think everyone should, anyone that was ever thinking of it, should be involved. And, and you've got quite a large sales team. How, how how roughly how large is your sales team? I think the team's at about sixty odd now. Okay, so you got sixty people selling roughly. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you were you were really one of the first people to be really getting out there selling. Yeah, I still well, am too. You, you still do that, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Do you, Why do you do that? Do you do that to keep a finger on the pulse of the market or? No, I, I just, um, look, we, we made a decision that I would continue selling mm-hmm. early on. I really enjoy that part of it. For me. We've signed I, up about half the members so now I know yeah, you know, that's true. <laughs> you're good at it. I, I, found that, um, I found that my strength was in that part, it was, was selling, and I really enjoyed building uh, the sales team early on with a, with a lot of young guys. As, as the sales team became um, much bigger, it really needed someone full-time to be just managing managing that process and we were able to bring in some really, really key people to do that for us. Um, we've been really fortunate through the entire um, FX experience to bring in some phenomenal people to, to head up our team. But so what's your process to selling then? How do you sell? Because I, I still reckon other than maybe Miles, you both be head-to-head, <laughs> you're, you're both masters of the sale. What's your process? So run, run me through he, he, how you would sell someone. He keeps selling me a lot of suits, so he obviously yeah, does a good job. copped me too. Um, look, I think for me, I, I think I, the process, so I yeah. think – So wh- how do you get the lead? Yeah, so the lead So the lead for me most of the time is is these days is through referral or, uh, or yeah, through knowing somebody. And the way I do that these days is because, well, I hope – that I'm doing a good job for somebody else, I can, I've got the right to ask that question. So you will um, actively ask your existing clients of whom you know are happy, hey, do you know anyone that would be good absolutely. for me to meet? And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all the time. That's important to note that you actively ask. Absolutely. Always got to ask the question because the way that I see it is that there are there are a myriad of different suppliers out there in any industry or anything that you do. So 
you know, there's a, there's a million different agent, real estate agents out there, there's a million different IT providers, all those sorts of things. And the reality is is that um, I think that somebody wants to go and use you because they like you. Mm-hmm. So if, they're being, if you're being referred in by somebody that they know and trust, the trust factor is already, already sorted. Um, if they get on with you and like you, that's the second piece. And the third piece, you've got to have a good product or service, obviously, that's going to deliver. Um, and fortunately, we have that. But what, what's cool about that is I had a conversation with someone the other day. There's some industries, like your industry, for example, which is an established industry. IT services is, mm-hmm. is, is established. Been there. There's big players, there's small players, um, which can force it to become price, a price war. Yes. It can force it to become value being based on the price. Absolutely. And you want to avoid that. The industry mm-hmm. as a whole wants to avoid that, otherwise everyone's margins are decreasing. Absolutely. You don't want that. That's right. It means the big business is going to win because they've got their better economies of scale. But how do you find a difference in an industry of which is – Yeah, good um, question. Yeah, and, and, and I like what you said. It is the relationship yep. that can – Yeah. And the relationship creates what you said, trust yep. and likability. Yeah, cool. So there's two parts of that. So it's interesting you say that because you're right, the big guys um, can win because they've got deeper pockets. So if I look at the manufacturers of the world in our world, um, they, they have driven – that's right, price has been driven down – but then a lot of things have ended up offshore. So then all of a sudden the service and the experience for the customer is not as good as it used to be. So the one thing that we did at FX, um, we're Australian-based. Everyone's here. Our techs are here. Our accounts teams are here. Everybody's here. The service phone people. The service people are here. Yep. So when the phone is the phone rings, they're talking to somebody here and somebody can act straight away. If they've got a billing issue, it's sorted straight away. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the biggest thing that we've we've pushed on. Um, and we've we've seen a big um, a big win in that, um, but on the back of that, you're right in terms of there has been some prices come down. So for us, it's about getting in the door, um, showing them that we can do a good job, and then and then offering some other product or service that w- that we can. Um, do you think that saying we are Australian, we keep all our team in Australia? Do you think that clients really value that and they think, okay, I want to support Australia, or do you think they are very price conscious still? Um, I th- I think both. Uh, and the only reason I say that's a silly answer, but. Um, our business is both metro-focused and regional-focused. So of the 16-odd um, offices throughout Australia, we've got four that sit in the metro area. The rest sit in regional Queensland, regional Victoria, mm-hmm. those sorts of places. So if you ask somebody in a regional area, um, Australian-based is very important. They're going to say yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the city, they don't give a, a shit. A, 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 big, like a big corporate, well, <laughs> they, they want they want price down. But at the same time, they still want service because if the CEO is sitting at the you know, floor 20 at the financial district of the city and, and he's all of a sudden his laptop's off or, or he's, he's trying to, his EA is trying to print something for him to go and sign a multi-million dollar contract or something like that. He wants someone to act really quickly. Mm. Um, so it's at that point when service is important. Interesting that you say that. So what would you say the key, that, you know, that key feeling for your, the most important factor of your business is to your clients? Like for Carbide, ours is to belong. You know, you belong at Cub. You feel... Yep. You build relationships, but you feel accepted, you belong. Yep. And we want to make everyone feel like that. Yeah. And that's probably why they join. Yeah. And, and, and the benefits of belonging. But that's yeah. why. What would you say yours is? Would you, what would you say the thing for, for the industry or perhaps even your business is? What's the yeah. one thing? It's got to be service. Like, I mean, for us, it's about being able to respond. So, what we've, se- what we've seen in our industries is that, um, you know, when you pick up the phone and you need something sorted, it's got to get sorted pretty quickly. Um, and being able to communicate that and get that sorted really quickly is the most important thing. Um, you know, we are 
you know, I, I was thinking about some things before we got here and, and um, it's interesting because I think about the different parts of, of, of technology and, and you think about a photocopier, that's just something that sits in a corner and, you know, you print on it when you need it. But when it's broken, it's the biggest thing in the world. Um, and nothing but, is worse than not being able to get onto your IT guy to fix your fucking emails. Exactly right. So when you, when you, go to, when you talk about IT... If you think about someone in real estate or something, you always talk about they're handling the biggest asset that every single person owns being a house. When someone gives us their business in IT, we're essentially handling the biggest asset that they have within their business, the thing that controls so their true. entire business. So um, for us, not only about service and obviously security and those sorts of things around that, um, we're taking, we're looking after a big piece of someone's business. Um, so for us, to tell them that we're going to service them and, and supply the things to them on time when they need it um, and also be there as an advisor for when things change because what I what I may have suggested um, was the new thing in tech five years ago is so different to what it is today. So continually evolve, evolving with a business and being able to offer advice on what's coming and what's changing is, is probably the most important. And I do want to also ask you how businesses IT has uh, changed during COVID but before we get to that, um, uh, I want to stick back to the sales process. So yep. you have clients, yep. they're happy, really happy clients. You will actively ask them for a referral. So if you've got a good relationship with the yep. CEO or whoever you spoke yep. to, mate, listen, uh, I'd really appreciate a referral. Do you, you know, do you connect yep. anyone, blah, blah, blah. Yep. So you get that referral, then what do you do? Yeah, so then I, I would obviously go and see that that customer, that, that client, that person um, and go through the process. So for, for us in our world um, – it's about discovering what the customer's problem is. You know, they're coming to you for a reason um, or, they've, or they've said yes to a meeting for a reason. It could be either price-based, it could be they're having a poor time in service. Um, but give us the detail. Do you, so, okay, obviously they're going to come and you're going to meet with them. But do you call that person and say, hey, um, hey Laura, um, you know, um, Andrew has given me a number. Yep. I do his IT, or or do you, is it done over email? How, how do you actually do that? How, what do you bit, say? A bit of both. So I'll, but I will always pick up the phone. So if I've ever got a referral, or I've ever, even if I've got a lead that's come in from anywhere, um, I pick up the phone, and I think um, that's probably the most one of the most important things that I try to I try to preach all the time is that the phone is still the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Stay away from email as, as much as possible. Um, I'll always pick up, introduce myself and then set, the, set a meeting time to go and see that person. Um, and then that's when the discovery piece is. But why do they see you? Because so someone's referred them to you. Yep. Right? Maybe that person hasn't even told them about you. Yep. They just – it's like what happens a couple of time. You know, you – Miles will give you a couple of people that he thinks would be great, their own good businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would think. Yeah. Right. How – what do you say to that person? How do you get that person to say yes to coming in to, yeah, to so, talk about your so business? So if, if, you, if you'd referred me and they weren't actually looking for something, they might they might say something along the lines of, look, I'm, I'm not sure what we're going to catch up on, but I've been told I've got to catch up with you. So let's do it. And I said, look, I won't take too much of your time, but let's do it and have a bit of fun with it and I'll just see if there's any opportunity in there. I'm – I'm not going to waste your time, but I may be able to at least show you something or point you in the right direction, which might not be with us, but it might be able to help you with your incumbent. So at least that way you're giving them some advice yeah. um, and you're not wasting their time because these people are very busy people. Um, and then that's usually when they'll let us in the And you, it, it's almost a little bit more like, hey, I don't, I don't know if there's something there, but let's find out and have a bit of fun while that's we do right. it. And even if and we don't, well, at least we're mates now, we, we, we know each other. That's right. And then what we find as well, you know, I learned very, very, very early on in business is that um, someone might say no to you today, 
um, but it doesn't mean no forever. Yes. Um, and the amount of times that that's happened and I've seen, you know, I've seen a client go through a cycle or two cycles of agreements with, with, with other providers and then they eventually come across because they've either dropped the ball or management's changed or they've lost their account manager or whatever it is. So I think it's really important that you, you still give those people the time of day even if there is no opportunity yet. You just never know when it will come. Marketing, ongoing marketing to people that have not yet, we, we obviously joined for us, but in your yeah. case, signed up or whatever, is so important because yeah. if, it, and again, it comes back to that relationship. If you've personally gone, you've met, eventually yeah. they're going to need it. Absolutely. Or to change. Absolutely. And you want to make sure that you're the person they think about nurturing, when it is that time. Yeah, nurturing that lead. You know, that's interesting you say that because that's something that we're going through right at the moment and working out what the best process in that is about nurturing old leads and mm-hmm. things like that um, company-wide. We'd, prior to our growth was insane and, and it was, you know, just off the back of a lot of old-school style selling and a, and a lot of getting out there and, again, just providing a good service but just old-school old school selling. Um, I know I've had that conversation with your dad before about the good old days of knocking on doors and and, mm. uh, and those sorts of things. So um, other than that and a little bit of um, a little bit of sponsorship with a couple of football teams, we we haven't uh, we haven't done too much in, in the way of marketing. So, so you have stayed quite traditional in your sales processes. Yeah, we have. Yeah. But then, how did you grow faster than your competition, which you did? I know that. Yeah. Uh, look again. I think. Why? Why did you grow fast? I think a lot of that word of mouth. I think just doing a good job was was the biggest piece for us. Um, so you don't think it had anything? To do, it, it had less to do with the being innovative with the sales process, and more to do with the fact that you had a focus, a company focus on service, knowing that yeah. that was the priority for your clients. Yeah, absolutely. In particular. And we built a good young sales team early on too. So we built a good a good bunch of young young people that that were really. Um, really active, they were really, really um, really in tune with the core values of the business. They really were, were very hungry to go out and, and, and find business. And do you give them the ability to, to make good money or do you, ha- do you incentivize them yeah, to give absolutely. them a good commission structure? Yeah, absolutely. I think, look, I think in, um, it was interesting when I was listening to um, Adrian Hondros's um, podcast as well when he we was talking about his little side business and side hustle. Like it, you know, I think – Unless you're incentivized to go and do something, you're probably not going to do it as a salesperson. You know, I hear, you hear about sales jobs that are that are salary based. I think if you're incentivized, you're obviously going to go and, and chase that. And and that was also part of having you know young athletes come through the business in the early days because having having an incentive is is you know just like wait, that's interesting. So yeah. you were actively recruiting young athletes. Yeah, so or at least that's who ended up. Coming yeah, into the business. yeah, absolutely. So we um we had a bunch of young young guys come in that were that I you know we, it was funny we, we said we run out of um we run out of recruiting tools there for a little while because we we're bringing young athletes or young people that we knew from sport uh, across and you know if I look at even just our Sydney sales team um you know majority are ex athletes or sport or or done very well in sport um you know the head of our South Australian business is an ex professional footballer. Um, yeah, it's, it's but just, see, you know, your company culture, you, it's like, it's like you knew your demographic, you knew who was going to fit there. Well, and obviously you've got a bit of a competitive culture. You've absolutely. got a, a will to win. Yeah. You know how, you know what they're going to enjoy. So you know how to sell them to join the but team. It all, yeah, absolutely. But it comes back to, to, to the enjoyment for you, for us as well. Like we love our sport, you mm. know, like, I mean, um, sport is, yeah, 
you know, as I said during COVID, I, I, that's the th- the, one of the other things that I missed the most was sport. You know, every, if you, you love your sport, it's something to talk about within within the team, within the entire organisation and, yeah, it just relates relates well. With well it says a lot about, you, about knowing the culturally perfect person for your business. Yeah. You know, and not to say that everyone has to be a sports person. Obviously, there's uh, over 200 people there. They're, all, they're obviously not all ex-sports people. But – having that values that culture of sports having also that common that common grounds on hey we're, we're, we're sports people yeah. would probably help the team bond more you know what yeah. I mean? and it would be important for any business owner to think about who, who are the type of people that we want on our team yeah right? the culture of these yeah people. i totally what agree and, and we got involved in a in a, in a football team early on so we're, we're a part of the, the gws giants and and that's been a really nice piece for us to to have as a you know we because we've been with them since day one essentially nearly since day one um it's also been a common piece of of sport that we, that everyone can also talk about and follow and and watch and see and, and all mm-hmm. sorts of things you know we, re, we refer to them as the fx giants but um <laughs> they're not but um yeah so. and and so you've asked for a referral you've called them you've had quite a light call you've said um um hey look i don't know if there is anything if you're not looking but let's catch up anyway we'll have a laugh it'd be great to meet you and if there is an opportunity there is I really yep. like that style of call because there's yep. no pressure on the – I often feel like salespeople lose a meeting if the person thinks that by meeting I might have to spend money. Whereas if they think there's no risk, it doesn't matter if I don't, then That's they're right. more – it's like me. I can think about it. If someone calls me, it's like, hey, come in, uh, but by coming you might spend 10 grand. Yep. If it gets to that time of the day and I could stay at the office, not spend 10 grand, and in fact probably make five grand somehow. Yep. I'm going to choose to make it That's right. yeah, and I'm not going to yeah. go. So I like, that, I like the idea of not having risk by coming and, in fact, you're having reward by building a relationship with Of me. course. And then your pitching. Do you yeah. have a pitch structure you like, a pitch style? You're, you're always dressed in a nice suit, I know that. I'm always super casual um, with, with anything that I'm pitching and, and that's the thing. I, I sometimes don't like the word pitch because, again, my theory is that, that salespeople can become too salesy. Um, and by, by too salesy, it means I'm trying to get my point across and I'm going to sell you something um, as opposed to asking the client what they're looking for and what they're trying to do. So mm-hmm. in our world in tech, there's you know, I can go down 10 or 15 different routes when we have a conversation because we could be talking anything from, as I said, from managed IT to cloud services all the way through to telco. So um, it's always a bit of a discovery process and, and, and you always take it in, in, a, in a really relaxed way. And there are so many other extrinsic factors in, in different size businesses. So part of one of the, the reasons I think we did quite well was we were bringing a, you know, an enterprise style solution for clients down into the mid and, and lower tier businesses, you know, just small, small to medium businesses um, for businesses that can't afford to have three people in their IT team. So to be able to go and, go and ask them the questions and understand what it would be like to have a fully fledged IT team that, you know, one of the big four might have um, and be able to then give them that is, is there's, a, there's a lot of discovery in doing that. What I think you said there was, that was genius was that don't focus on you, focus on your client. Absolutely. Uh, it's about being c- customer-centric, mm-hmm. right? And I'm um, thinking like the cub pitch, Yep. we call it introduction um, because we don't like to really sell everyone and really we don't accept everyone either. But, but we do do that. So the first thing we do is we make sure that the, the um, client knows – uh, who we are, what we believe in, and kind of what why people join the be- the benefit of yep. doing, what we're on a mission to accomplish as a, as a community. Yep. But after that, we actually ask them why you're interested in 
growing your network and becoming part of the community. Yep. How do you believe that that's going to benefit you? Yep. you know, why? How is that going to help you? Yep. And they might say, oh, look, I just want to meet other people in my position or other successful business people. Okay, but how is that going to benefit you? Yep. Oh, well, look, that's going to benefit me because, uh, you know, like currently people, you know, a lot of my friends and stuff are in a different position and, and uh, I just think it would be good to talk to others who aren't who are in, in my same position. And you say, yeah, but how is that going to help you? How? Yeah, I know yeah. you want to meet these people, but how? And then they'll say things like, well, sometimes I have problems and I don't really have other people to ask, you know, what yeah. I should do for that. Yeah. And we say, so knowledge. So having a network is going to help that's you right. gain knowledge. Yes, that's going to do it. And also now that you mention it, it would be uh, great to actually have these relationships and these friendships with people in my position. Oh, so you want to build relationships now? And actually, it would be also cool if I got some business because I'm hanging around business right. people. Yeah. And so, you know, in every pitch, you should be asking them why you want this, what, what, and, and how's that going to benefit you? Absolutely. And if That's then right. they say that, they know that. That's right. And so long as you can deliver that, well. That's right. Fuck great fit. And, and that's the thing. If, if you can't deliver it, then you can give them some advice and, and push them in another direction, give them a hand, and that's fine as well. And they respect you. And they respect they respect you for it. So, you know, it's always – I think it, it's always going in with a customer in mind first, trying to understand what they're trying to achieve, and, and then, you know, then you can open up your yeah. – you know, you're in Bali and you're opening up your, your chest of, of watches and, and, and sunnies and things yeah. like that, and then you can offer them some services. Yeah. But you're looking you for some to, shade, here's a hat. Yeah, here's a hat. <laughs> so um, you need to find out what they're looking for. And I think mm. even in the cub pitch, which is which was interesting, you said it took me nine months to come along. It did take some time, but for me, I still remember everything was great, but Melbourne was just coming on at the time. Mm. And for me, we were going down, and 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 again, we were, we were so small at the time, but we were just getting into Melbourne, and and Melbourne was happening, and that essentially was one of the things that got me was that I was looking for something. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I was looking at as soon as you said that, I said, oh, we're down there, and and we weren't having a huge amount of luck in Melbourne because it's a very um, a very referral-based city down there. Community. It's a very tight group. Very tight group. So um, as soon as that came along, that, that was something that got us across the line. And what are your feelings on the close of the pitch? So you've done a thing. They're quite happy. Yeah. You know, how do you like to to try to get it, try to I, land your fangs? Yeah, I, I don't think you're allowed to ask for the business until you've ticked off every single objective that they've given you from that first meeting. So – um, objective what do you mean so or, or when you went as I said before when you were going in and going through that discovery process and find out what the issue was um, until you can tick off with them that they're comfortable that you can achieve what they're looking to do that's when you can ask the question mm. um, I think in the sales world in the old school sales world the word close became really hard mm-hmm. like you've got to go and close strong you're really strong and it's like mm-hmm. all right if you don't do this today you won't be there tomorrow and all those sorts of things um, I'm certainly more soft when it comes to closing and, and, um, and I let the process get me to the point to, to ask the question. Yeah, I like the idea of – so I reckon ours would be softer because, again, um, I think that the salesperson should be put in the position of I can help you. So that's what you, that's what you want. That's the reason you want it. Yep. We can actually do that for you and I can be the person that helps you go to the next level to actually – Get to that. Yeah, that's right. So we'd say if you are interested, yep. I can help you complete the application for acceptance. Yep. Um, and if you'd like to do it, then, yeah. you know, it's their choice. It's, I think, it's their the, thing. I think the only time, like, I mean, the only time that you might put a bit of a harder close on is if something's been dragging out, which probably means, may, may nine 100%. months. 100%. May nine months. But no, I wasn't putting you. Yeah, I mean, like, but, we have um, a all the time. But there's obviously something that, that you haven't done through the process to get it right. Um, and it, it, 
you know, I go back to that sporting analogy before. If you keep coming second, there's probably something you're doing wrong in your process to get you to that point. So you've got to keep going and rediscovering that. So I think if you're getting to that point in sales where you haven't, you're, you're, they're, they're pushing out and they're pushing out all the time, there's something you're missing in your process in the middle and it's got nothing to do with closing. And, and what do you do in those situations? Because I always feel that it's better to either go hard on them Either you're going to win them or you're going to lose them. But it's better than wasting your time on them longer. Yeah, but the most important thing is if you do lose them, to ask them why you did lose them. Oh, I reckon just if they're wasting your time, just cut them and move on to the next Yeah, person. I think I, I always find that that's – yeah, that's always – They're never going to tell you anyway. So It's, I, it's I, that I, whole balls in the air, right? Like if you've got 100 balls in the air, you can push one aside and then it'll eventually drop. So they might come back to you if you don't put exactly. too much focus on them. Um, but if you do lose the business, I think it's really important to ask the question and say, look, what was it? Um, and do you reckon they tell you the truth? Oh, I think so some of the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think if, if you've done a really good job, then they're pretty open and honest and say, look, if, if it wasn't if it was a price thing, they'll tell you it's price. If it was you couldn't deliver what you needed to de- deliver, it was that. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the times if you've done a good job as a salesperson, they should say to you, it's not a personal thing. I'd actually really like to work with you. but yeah. Do you want a job? <laughs> you just couldn't do this. Do you want a job? Yeah. I very much believe that you should close it out as quickly as possible if they're dragging it on mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, it affects the morale of your sales team. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, I've got this guy's right on the line. But they do that for two weeks, one month, whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. You know, it's like dating. You're better off saying, oh, look, if you're not interested, then like let's just finish it now. Uh, sorry, that's not like dating. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm not going to But I'm if they can feel that, that you don't want them that badly, yeah. they're going to want you more is my well, point. So the, if the you're like, all right, see you later, I'm really I'm going to find someone else anyway. Then we'll yeah. oh, come back. And we find that a lot. And, that's, and that, again, I come back to having – opportunity on the go all the time the more that you have happening um if that person is continually hanging around you don't you don't get what i uh, i've heard so many times and hear and say is that commission breath like you're just so desperate to get this deal this deal done when that means you're just trying to get a sale as opposed to trying to help someone because the reality is you should be there trying to give them some help satisfy their needs and then the deal's done you're not selling yes i really like that commission breath Mm. that means you're Going too much for you. You're being selfish. You're you not trying to help them. Selfish, but you also don't have enough opportunity on the go because mm-hmm. that just therefore means that you're you're just chasing one or two opportunities. So, um, yeah. And do you do, so? Then do you do surveys on all the business you lost, or you yeah. don't? We just I, I just asked the question of of that person why we lost the business. And what about um, the team? So all your the yeah, sixty in, guys in our and girls in, selling in services for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a program that every time a service calls done. Um, our clients rate us consistently. Really? Mm. Oh, that's like a, a Telstra there. Or a smile back. They just they just get it through. It's either green, red, or or orange, and uh, and then they'll let us know how we're tracking. That's pretty so, cool. So we can keep a finger on the pulse. I like yeah. that a lot. And what about you now? You've got a kid. Yep. You got a wife. Yep. So you got a you yep. a young, very young family. Yep. How's how are you balancing that with with work? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, you're working more or less. Yeah, I, I would say that I'm working more in different times. I'm a coming from that sporting background. For me, routine is everything. Um, but routine changes very quickly when you have a baby. I learnt very quickly. Um, so that's probably been the biggest thing for me personally to adapt to is is the change of routine with the little one. And um, it's amazing how much they, they, they can suck up your time too because you just enjoy so much time with them. But do you feel more motivated that uh, you have oh, little Harry there? Yeah, absolutely. There was a client of mine that said, mate, you'll, you'll go through these stages in your life um, as you have these, have your children of 
of uh, a warrior mentality when you have a child, which which he was so right. I didn't know what that meant until until you have a child. But you know, you're always for you and and your wife before that, and um and it's amazing that once you have a child, how much you become a warrior in terms of. They said the warriors used to just go out and hunt for for their families. So it's so true. You do go into that. I I almost think it's like a well, obviously I, I'm a big believer in that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, and when you work for yourself, particularly when you're younger, you're working for yourself. Oh, I want to be rich. Yeah. I want to buy whatever I want and do all my stuff and help my family and have the girlfriends or boyfriends. Yep. Yep. And then you get married. Yep. And it becomes, okay, we're a partnership, we're the best partnership. Yep. You know, um, we're together because we're going to make our life together. Yep. And then you have a kid and it's like, well, you're no longer even working for yourself anymore. You that's actually right. have a job now. You're working for someone else. Yeah, that's working. right. And, and that almost puts more, Yeah. like you want to do better. It gives you more of a, maybe I should bloody have a kid. I it's, oh, it's amazing. I'm very fortunate. Just I've got convinced the most, myself. I've got the most beautiful wife and the most supportive wife who who's – not only supported but challenged me all the way through from we've been together for a very long time but our little joke at home is that um she's the coo i'm the cfo and now harry has now become the ceo yeah because he runs the show it's like that um and that's how it works yeah how, that's exactly what i'm talking about yeah, yeah it's yeah. like that and just on the topic of routine yep um you were quite you, i knew you had quite a strict routine you were into some weird shit too you did some ice baths and you like the yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever it was yeah. what was your what, what's your routine your daily routine i'll um and a slight shout out here to uh to nick Riley, cup yeah. member two who's a bit of a nutcase with these sorts of things too so interesting before um uh before pre-kid um before before my little guy yeah the routine was pretty much the same 4 a.m wake up I would do an hour of work, the stuff that I don't want to do, which is answering emails and those sorts of things. And then I'd be out in the road for 5.30 for a run or a, or a gym session by then, back, showered, cold showered, and then, then back in, into the office to get You do the cold shower thing. Yeah. So you wake up at four. Yeah. And, and so you actually work before you exercise. So you yep. do an hour. What do you do in that time? Do you have a coffee, just get the brain stimulated yep. and do that type of yeah, thing? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then you'll go train. And then train, yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. I hate yeah. training in the morning. I like training in the afternoon when someone's pissed me off throughout the day and I like to get yeah. take it out. I, I always found that and, and I've I do a similar thing now. COVID changed things a little bit, but I do a similar thing now. I just brought my my end of the day routine a little bit shorter so that I could spend more time with my little guy and, and do all the fun things like bathing and stuff like that. So you so, come home earlier. Yeah, that's right. Um, but keep the keep the morning the same as much as possible. Mm. Um the morning's the most important part of the day. If that's structured if I don't sit at the cafe at the same time, have the same coffee and yep. and, and read my book and then have my green – like I follow – in the same yep. – so everything. If I don't do that, I'm screwed yep. the rest of the day. I may as well just go. Absolutely. And that's the one thing I've I've actually struggled with during during the COVID time and, and when we had that little bit of lockdown and those sorts of things to – you start to slip out of those routines uh, and bring yourself – as soon as you can bring yourself back into the morning routine, the rest of the day follows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking to some friends over the weekend who just love it. Like, I mean, they're in a different routine now where they're, they're happy to get up earlier and work through and then train middays and all those sorts of things. I guess you've got to find what works for you. Mm. Um, but having routine is crucial. Everyone yes. says that. It's like a fairly yep. certain scientific fact. Absolutely. That yep. I actually, in my routine this morning when I was downstairs reading a book, I read something really interesting that's way off topic but I just thought it was quite relevant to – probably a lot of entrepreneurs and probably yep. yourself. Yeah. He was talking about ADD yep. and what that is and mm-hmm. is it even a thing. Yep. And uh, I can't remember, some guy, scientist had a theory, but 
it's basically saying that a lot, a lot of men particularly are prone to ADD. And the reason that they're prone to it is that they were evolved to constantly be on the lookout, A, for danger, yep. but m- normally more so on the lookout for like, oh, fuck a deer. Let's yep. go kill it and eat it. Yeah, absolutely. And so they're always looking. So if, if they were really like, not complacent but really, I guess, mellow, yep. they're sitting around, have a little fire, you know, throw some rocks at some bigger rocks and they're going to miss the deer. They're not going to go kill their deer and then the kids are going to starve and die. Yeah. But if you got ADD, you're like, what? Oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. you're all over the shop. You never want to sit down. You're always just, looking. You're always looking. And then yeah. people with ADD, when they find something that, to lock onto uh, with a patient, they normally are fully locked on. That's right. You're 100% and, with yeah, it. Yeah, it's like you That's got right. the zebra. You're going to take that yep. motherfucker out. That's right. And so he, he was basically saying that some people just have more of that genetic. Yeah. They're probably going to be were better hunters. Yes, yeah, so that tenacity that they have. Yeah, yeah. Which, they'll, they'll Which can, is pretty cool, no? Yeah, but they. But I, I read a piece on that too a little while ago, and uh, which they referred to that as the tenacity of it. But they said it can be trained through routine, so that the more you train and continually do the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, there's the person that always struggles to get out of bed and get to the gym, and then you have got your mate who's bouncing there, knocking on your door, saying, "Are we going to the gym now? Are we going to the gym now?" The more that person that struggled to get out of bed continually does it, they'll then just start bouncing out of bed. Yeah. It becomes routine. It becomes routine. Routine's golden. And COVID, obviously that would have had a pretty significant effect on um, the services you provide your clients Yeah. because no one's allowed to see each other. So I'm assuming more people need IT and yeah. I don't know, video conferencing and stuff. Yeah. What is some of the stuff that's yeah. been going on with some of the technologies? It's interesting because uh, one of the things I love about our industry uh, and what we do is that we are uh, um, – I could be – in the financial services district with a three-piece suit on talking to, you know, one of the biggest financial institutions about some IT infrastructure and then four hours later I could be out in the West with my sleeves rolled up talking to somebody in a mechanic shop about what they're doing out there as well. So we have such diverse clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really interesting to see through this period how it's hit so many different industries. Um, from our side, um, people are printing less, um, which is interesting because there's, there's not a lot break it into two, metro versus regional. regional All the offices been, are shut so no one's printing most, it. That's right, no one's printing as much. So, um, But there was a mad, a pretty mad scurry in the in those first few weeks of, uh, of, of coronavirus to um, for, for client or for businesses that weren't mobile yet. So was, for remote setups? For remote setups, yeah. I wish I had another 400,000 laptops somewhere that you could move because it, it's just phenomenal how quickly um, stock was depleted. Uh, obviously a lot of that happened because – Things were slow out of China as well because because China was shut for so long. But, um, yeah, it was amazing. It was just amazing to see people try and go mobile that hadn't been there. It's a lot of what we had been working with a lot of our clients with in the past because that is just slowly how we were moving. I just mm-hmm. think COVID has accelerated the mobile working um, way of life. I think it's changed the way that people look at offices now. No longer is it um, you sit at a desk with screens and, and, uh, and keyboards now – if you've got a laptop or a, or, a, or a tablet or those things, you can move around and collaborate a little bit more. Efficient. And are they are they are they better uh, better quality like uh, video conferencing things happening or no? Yeah, there is. Look, I think the whole Zoom and Teams thing has been really interesting to see take off. Like it's gone bananas. As, yeah. as you Even know. I got used to Zoom and I hate yeah. technology. I was just, I was the same. I hated to. Um, as a person that likes to be in front of people all the time, I really I struggled with it. You know, yeah. I think, you know, it's something that we were talking to and Nick and I were only talking about in the last week about how how do we now communicate and sell with our customers when we can't get in front of them? Because so much about human interaction and trust and, and understanding and is is about 
the way you speak, but you also do that with body language. So how do you do that? So, you know, we're, we're finding that some, uh, a lot of clients are now looking into, not because they're not back yet, they're looking at what it's going to look like when they get back into boardroom setups. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer if they've got a good camera, that's going to be more than just headspace and it's going to be, you know, sort of with a bit more body, they're going to be able to present a little bit better. We've done some work with some of the chambers in town and, you know, they're, they're doing the law, like law, law chambers, yeah. you know, they're doing cases and training through um, standing at a mm. lectern now. So even uh, court with, cases. Yeah. With nobody yeah. in there. So um, it's been really interesting to see those guys adapt as and, well. And how have you guys handled remote working? Are you pro remote working for the team now? Are you not? Did you get more productive or not? We were, it's, we, we were pretty old school for some, for a very young business. We're a bit old school in that prior to, to, um, to COVID. I, I think we were, you know, we, we loved, because I'm a routine person, I love coming to the office. I know Nick was very similar, but um, we're now becoming, we're now understanding that it can work um, and, and using things like Teams and, and those and SharePoints and OneDrives and those things that are, that you can collaborate on and be in touch all the time um, is just showing that it can happen. Mm. Um, and you know that the things that we're also learning is if somebody's traveling an hour in the morning to come to the office and an hour to go home um, they might be able to put two more hours in the day for you and actually have a better a better lifestyle doing it so um, the only thing that that I think it does you know the, the negative on it is you do miss that that culture piece you know mm. you miss hanging out with your friends at work and, and and being around people more often I think that uh, I'm in agreement because I was Definitely anti-work from home before COVID. In fact, yeah. if you wanted to work from home, I probably would have fired you because it would have taken an offence that you wouldn't have wanted to hang out yeah, with yeah. the team. But but, um, I definitely am pro-work from home now. In, in fact, I encourage uh, particularly a couple of the team whose roles could be better done without the distractions of the rest of us morons yep. fucking harassing them. Yeah, all day. absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, I, but I, I think what's going to happen, actually in a building here in, in Potts Point, Victoria Street, yeah. and the tenant... <laughs> Uh, um, they're finishing their lease in December and they basically said to me, hey, uh, look, um, we figured out that most of our team working from home two, three days a week, they are coming to the office but they don't need a, we don't need as much of the space. Can we shrink our space? They actually want to shrink their space, renew the lease yep. and shrink their space in the building. And I thought about it. I was like, that's exactly like, – that's a fair point. Yep. If people are productive, you've still got a space to work from and t- come to co- collaborate, but yep. they can work from home when they need and that type Absolutely. of thing. There's probably less people in the office yep. all the time. So I reckon that a lot of these big commercial buildings, I think businesses, you still need the office. Yes. It becomes more of a communal space rather than a Correct. Correct. focus space. And you're probably going to need less of an office, so your cost will go down. Totally agree. It would be an interesting question for Simon Cohen to understand what these people that are looking to buy houses are, are doing at the moment and if they're if this new if the study or working from home piece comes up more because I think it will. You know, I think I think people will look for somewhere to escape to to go and do some work at home as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, having to do it on a dining table or something and like that. And for the listeners, Simon Cohen is another long standing cub member who uh, is the founder and CEO of Cohen Handler, a leading buyer's agency. The only thing, though, is that that guy buys such big houses that they would <laughs> definitely come stock standard with, like, with the, uh, bulk offices. And he does a very good job at it too. So I'm a testament as a client of his. But um, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see people doing that now. And I know for a fact, even just looking at a property I have and doing an inspection recently on it and, and seeing Simon bought, uh, helped you find your house you're living in. Now. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, they were phenomenal. So uh, they did a, they did a great job for us. Um, but yeah, you can, you know, I see, you see some people now going between their homes and they're carrying a couple of screens and things like that. So, um, 
Yeah. Laura does that. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a different world now, it's for sure. And so before we wrap up, I got one other thing that I want to ask you because I know it's something you do exceptionally well. Um, your relationship with your business partner yep. is brilliant. In fact, your best friends you, you mentioned and you, yep. Nick, you brought him up several times to the yep. conversation. What is your advice on having a good relationship with business partners, on, on, on having a continuous harmonious experience? Yeah, I, um, I get asked this question a lot. Look, I, I think it's really important to know um, firstly what you're both good at. Um, I think that's really important. Um, I also think it's really important to, to know where you stand with each other. Um, there's always going to be somebody that within a relationship, whether or not it's friendship, um, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife that is a bit more a bit more of the leader or a bit more alpha or something like that. So I think it's really important to note that and and just be extremely honest with each other. You know, like I mean, you're always in it together. So you've you've got to do um, you've always got the same interest, you've always got the same ambition and those sorts of things. I've been really fortunate as I, as I said before, yeah, he's my best mate and uh, and we've been through a hell of a lot and and even through family and all those sorts of things. So I think just being honest and I just think knowing when to speak sometimes, you know, mm. um, you know, sometimes you think your mate's doing all right and they're going fine but just just making sure that they're okay and is really I, important. I like what you said about, hey, well, we've got the same common goal so we both want the end goal. Yep. Now our job together is to do whatever we can to have to make sure we hit that end goal. Yep. So it doesn't matter who's in what position, it's whatever is the best situation for us to hit that goal we yep. don't care what we do otherwise and that. I, if, if i'm sweeping the front lawn or whatever it is Who gives a fuck? doesn't make a difference yeah. whatever it takes to get to where you need to go um i think is really important. and by identifying the strengths of each obviously your strength was so much with sales and sales teams and, and setting up that and structures yeah yeah uh, and being able to be honest with each other about hey well these are my strengths these are your strengths this is what you like doing this is what i like doing yep that's our goal yep i'll do that you do that let's fucking hammer it absolutely i think that's fantastic advice. it's really important um and before we wrap up do you, did you prepare like something like a last thought or great lesson that you'd like to share with everyone? And did you, by any chance, do you have a book that you love or recommend? Um, yeah, books I do. I, I love reading books. I didn't finish school, so I try and catch up all of my reading that I didn't finish school with now. So there's there's a couple of books. I think Think and Grow Rich is one of the best books I've ever written. One of the best ever. Ever. But more recently, um, for those that love their sport too, there's two books that I love, um, Shoe Dog, which is the Nike story. I think is a phenomenal story about – a about sport, B about business, and B about resilience. I think he's phenomenal. Yeah, that guy, resilience was what I got from that book. Yeah, he went through so much shit just to make a dollar. Yep. And there's a book that that's that not a lot of people know about called Relentless. Mm -hmm. And the guy that wrote that is Tim Grover. So the reason he's important at the moment is he's the guy that's been on the Michael Jordan doco, and he was Michael Jordan's uh, personal coach. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a really good read about just getting things done, mm -hmm. about the athlete mindset, and about what it takes to just just to get it done you know mm. he talks about a cleaner a closer and a and a um a, a cooler a cleaner and a closer and you want to be a cleaner you just want to get it done yeah um which is a really cool book have you seen my mj sign ball i bought i have i've been thinking about that trying ain't. to take it later on jacket i was in another office yesterday actually and they had they had uh lebron so i was eyeing that Did one you? off as well oh that would be cool yeah and um tell me you had a favorite quote that i know you wanted to say yeah, I think I, I learned this as a kid just through through cycling. I was certainly never the most talented, but um, I always got told hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I think that um, that's something that I've I've had in the back of my mind for for many years. I think if if you just work hard, you'll you'll do all right. Yeah, because that's I, yeah. I, honestly you got to start and work hard. 
Yeah, awesome. Homie, my good friend, good man, could you leave us with one last thing, one last greatest lesson in business? Something. Don't forget, this is going to be, everyone's going to probably going to remember you by this. So it has to be something good. What's one big lesson that you would like to leave everyone with? I think for me it was just what I said before about the when, when you're selling. I think just listen. Just ask questions and listen to people. And and I think that'll not only just in, in, the, in selling in business, I think just in life. Like, I mean, people want to talk about themselves. People want, want to tell you a little bit about what they're doing. So if you can ask the questions, listen, provide support and help, whether or not that be, is through selling something to them or just being a shoulder and a need to listen, um, I think that's really important. You heard it, listeners. Listen. <laughs> to all the members who want to catch up with Andrew Herman, uh, just reach out to your membership manager and they'll make sure they connect you right to him. And Andy, what about for all the listeners who are not members who may want to go to your website? What is it? fx.com.au. Done. So everyone go to efex.com.au for all your IT services with a fantastic, fantastic level of service. I can tell you that personally because Cub uses them. Hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>